Welcome back to Rhythms of Grace. My name's Nate. I'm here with Sung Kim, who is the executive pastor of Grace Church. And we are in episode two. <laughs> did you just hear what you said? What did I say? You said Sung Kim, who's the executive pastor. Oh my gosh. Because <laughs> I always introduce, I'm used to introducing myself as the executive pastor. All right. I'm not the executive pastor. Sung you're, is not the executive you're, you're pastor. You're the executive director of Kimball Farms. There you go. There you go. Um, Sung Kim is the lead pastor of Grace Churches, and we are in the second episode. Uh, and it's going to be at least two episodes. You said depending on how this one goes, we might bump it to a third. Yeah, no, yeah, yeah. And it is around the issue of homosexuality. Yeah. Well, why don't you start with the question that we got again, if anybody didn't catch yeah. last week's episode. So if you didn't catch last episode, w- listen to that. Because this is this will build on. Because you're coming in halfway. Mm-hmm. A- and here's the question: uh, He says, "My brother-in-law just came out to my wife's family, <clears throat> and all of a sudden, this issue of LGBTQ has become a lot more real to me." Mm-hmm. And then he talks about John chapter one, verse fourteen, where it talks about Jesus um, coming in in flesh, and it, it says he came full of grace and truth, which is a a statement that. You know, yeah, I, I hear a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it, it's the um, so uh, um, yeah, or speak the truth in love, like yeah. that's another same mm-hmm. same concept. Yeah, said it quite a bit. So he says, if I'm loving them and not judging them, uh, doesn't love also require that I tell them that their behavior is wrong? Doesn't love also require that I intervene in some shape or form? And so we had some preliminary conversations. We're kind of addressing this a little bit sideways and in trying to the the idea of love the sinner, hate the sin, and why that falls short. Um, We also talked a little bit about how Jesus would actually challenge both affirming and non-affirming sides, that there isn't a side that comes out of this discussion unscathed. (laughs) Right. Right. And uh, we were beating up on the one side, but again, and people might be like, well, what do you think? You know, what, what, where you, like, hey, let, let, let's walk through this journey. Okay. Because I think people, uh, that's always, and this is both sides, want to know, where do you fall? Yeah. We get emails, hey, you know, um, what, what's the church's stance on this? Yep. And I, I actually don't respond to them because I think that misses the point. Yeah, I do. The, I mean, I used to do the same thing. Yeah. And the one response that I would give mm-hmm. would often, and it, oftentimes it was in a list of lots of other things that people were like, what is your issue on this? What do you believe about this? What do you believe about this? And what I would simply say is, if if it's important that the church and the people around you align with all of your beliefs, yeah. you are going to be really unhappy here at Grace. <laughs> yeah. Because we work very hard to have people who disagree on lots of issues learn to, to operate as the body of mm. Christ and worship next to each other. Yeah. And I, you want to know how many people responded to that email? Zero. <laughs> that was it. Like, that was it. That was the deal breaker. Yeah. People were just like, well, I'm, they would just never, that was not the response they yeah. were looking for. On both sides. Yeah. And I would, I would even say, too, the fact that we, like, what the, ch- what the gospel does, it brings people together who would never come together. If it's, not, if it's not doing that, and you've said this, like if there aren't people in your faith community that drive you nuts, <laughs> yeah. you're doing it wrong. Yeah. And so the fact that we don't agree on everything and can still stand united, I actually think that is like the, our corporate witness. Mm-hmm. That legitimizes our witness. Yeah. That it's not just a homogenous group of people who just all believe the same thing on some issue. Yeah. 
Uh, instead, you have people from all sorts of backgrounds and, and ethnicities and belief systems yeah. coming together. And, and for me, like that is the beauty of the church and the kingdom of God. I, I dream of the day when any group of people that are in the midst of a disagreement say, we need to get some Christians in here because if anyone can help us understand each other, it's going to be Christians. <laughs> I dream of that day. I mean, we can't even get it right for ourselves. Oh, so it's far I it's know. far in the future. But I imagine that when we are doing things right, we will be seen as people who have this unbelievable capacity to hear with open hearts and minds, to clarify and and to help people hear each other well. Yeah, and even to imagine that they would say, well, they may not agree with me, but I know that they'll listen and they'll love me. And no they'll understand. Yeah. They'll try to understand, you know, man, how powerful mm. will that be? Come, Lord Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> we need it. Yeah, so the last episode, you mentioned a, a case where the religious leaders try to trap Jesus. Yeah. Do we pay taxes or not? And Jesus really didn't answer that question. He answered a greater and deeper question. Yeah, which you've preached a sermon on, by the way, um, because it's, uh, I don't remember what series it was. I might, I, I don't know if I'm going to be able to remember. Yeah, It'll come to me. I was, I was, I was going to say, uh, I, I, I think I did. I don't remember. No, my I know sermons. you did. I know you did because again, your concept was that he was essentially saying like, I, I don't want, God doesn't want money. He wants your life. Yeah, like yeah. when you, when you give, when he's, when Jesus is saying, give to God, what is God's? Oh, yeah, yeah. He's talking about your, your, life. your life. Because you're imprinted with his image. Boom. Oof. Okay. Um, See, I listen during your sermon. So. <laughs> uh, uh, so in John chapter 8, there's a story of a woman caught in adultery. And the, she's dragged out before the religious leaders. And the religious leaders bring Jesus into the question, in, into the conversation, really to trap him. Mm-hmm. A- and um, they like, hey, what should we do? And if Jesus defies Torah, and, which would call for her to be stoned, Yep. and killed for her offense, if he said, yeah, do it, he'd be uh, following the, the law of Torah, but he'd kind of lose the crowd. Mm. But if he didn't, they'd say, well, of course, you don't, you don't even follow the yeah. law of Moses. Who yeah. You're not a rabbi. Right. And so uh, he, he says something profound. He says, Who, whoever is without sin, cast the first stone, and from the oldest to the youngest... Why do you think that is, from the oldest to the youngest? Oh, man. I didn't realize there was going to be a pop quiz. So oh, sorry. Oldest to youngest? I don't know. Okay. Why? Well, I mean, so uh, if you think wh- whoever is without sin, whoever is without sin casts the first stone. So the oldest leaves first because, I mean. Oh, the, so they said they left from the oldest to the youngest. Yeah, yeah, I yeah. thought you were saying Jesus said. Uh, no, okay, I got it. I'm tracking now. I'm tracking. So the oldest people were like, oh, yeah. Like, no, I'm not without sin. <laughs> yeah. Like, clearly, clearly yeah. I've blown it. Yeah. And the youngest, those of us that are young and still think we know everything. Yeah, the, the teenagers are like, sin? No, man. What? Like, that's <laughs> everyone else. They stick around the longest. <laughs> you guys do, too. You know who you are. Um, so um, so here's the thing. Uh, in, right from the get-go, because somebody would say, well, Jesus tells her, leave your life of sin, and he does. But here's the thing we skip over or miss sometimes. Instead of making her sin the issue, he makes their sin yeah. the first issue. Yeah. We miss that all the time. So here's the story that I said I was going to tell. When yeah. I was in college, 
there was a uh, one of those guys that would stand at the middle of campus with a big sign and shout at people yeah. about how everyone was going to hell. Yep. And one of the things that was on his sign that he said the most was that this this exact phrase where Jesus said to the woman caught in adultery, go and sin no more. I mean, he emphasized that repetitively over and over. And I remember, and I was, re- I mean, again, I was in my 20s. I went back and I read that story because I was like, what, what is, and I remember reading exactly what you're going to point out and be like, oh my, he's missing the entire point of this story. <laughs> right. He's He's cherry picked this phrase of Jesus and he's using it to condemn all these people and he's missing the heart of, of what, what Jesus was actually communicating. Yeah, yeah. And then he says, well, does anybody condemn you? I mean, just imagine. She, I mean, she, there's so much shame. Yeah. There's so, you know, and, and again, going back to the LGBTQ issue, and we'll talk about this later on in this episode, but for, for a lot of young gay lesbians, whatever, like coming out, they're, they're, I mean, almost every story I've heard there, there's some story of hurt and abuse or, or something. And, and that, uh, yeah, we'll get, but so just coming out, it is, is, takes a lot of courage. There, there's uh, culturally or, and especially in, in the church, there's a certain level of um, condemnation. I mean, I've heard, I've, I, I know Christians and I've, I've uh, who have said uh, just straight out, like, and, and they're speaking the truth part, but miss other things. Well, homosexuality is an abomination to God. Oh, man. <laughs> you know, and I'm like, wow. Um, and, and so they'll look at the story and say, well, see, like Jesus told her, like, uh, go and leave your life of sin. But again, we're, we're missing things here. And so he, first, uh, I would say he confronts the self-righteous judges. Yes. So let's remember that. And then he, and only he, after he fronts the woman with love, yeah. then tells her to leave her life of sin. Yeah. And you even mentioned this um, in the last episode where, you know, Jesus lays out the parable of like, remove the plank from your own eye before yeah. you try to get the speck out of your neighbors, yeah. you know? And that was consistently his message, which is like, look at yourself first before you judge others. Yeah. Yeah. Now, again, I'm not saying that we never speak out about sin, but just the fact that sometimes Christians feel the need to rush to get to the part of, hey, go and sin no more. Jesus says that. But let's remember he confronts the the self-righteous religious leaders first. Mm. Um, So, you know, there are times uh, that it is appropriate to address a speck in another person's eye. Mm-hmm. You know, the, the point of Jesus wasn't to not confront. Right. But you're doing it as a fellow struggler, not in a position of judgment or superiority. Mm. This, is what, this is what struck me about the question that the listener asked, mm-hmm. which is said, if I'm not judging them, shouldn't I tell them that <laughs> what they're doing? And I was like, I feel like that it, maybe, maybe, let's assume the best. Maybe that person really can be non-judgmental mm-hmm. and loving and still draw that line. Mm. But I'm telling you that your brother-in-law is going to experience that as judgment. Mm. Yep. You know, absolutely, unquestionably. Yeah. Um, so that even that part of the question sort of stood out to me. Yeah, yeah. 
um, that uh, we're going to get to that. that oh, okay. Right. Well, that's good. Ahead. No, okay. that's good. Right. Let's keep going then. But, you know, and, and so in the midst of that, uh, instead, what we do is we lob this cliche. Mm. And if the statement feels like, if you're, if you're on the receiving end of this, and we talked about that last episode, you know, Amy, I love you, but I hate your cooking. Yeah. <laughs> like, uh, it feels like, I'll love you if you change. Mm. That's what it feels like. Yeah. Uh, and the question is, did Jesus love like that? Does, does he love us in that same way? Thankfully, no. Right. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. Thankfully, no. And so people will disagree with what I'm going to say, uh, and that's never happened before. Yeah, thankfully, no. People disagree with Sung all the time. <laughs> But if I have to bring disapproval early on in a conversation, what will happen if that relationship has to be maintained? What happens is that part of their life, they will now hide yeah. and never bring up to you. Yeah. And the next time that you're with them, they're, they're not going to bring themselves fully into the relationship. It pushes it into hiding yeah. is what often happens. Yeah. Um, and, and so uh, I was just talking about this a few moments ago, but that, especially with a lot of young people, LGBTQ, like they, and in the culture of the church, they know how the church feels. Mm-hmm. And so it remains hidden. Yeah. And um, now, and we, we talk, you talk, <coughs> excuse me, you talked about this about being a spiritual director. I have a story too, but people confess sin only after they've been fronted with love. Yeah. So th- this this story is there was a, a woman who had attended Grace. Man, this was like years and years ago. She was a lesbian. And one Sunday after service, um, she, we were having a conversation. There were very few people around. And she told me that she's been having an affair with a pastor's wife. Ooh. <laughs> she, they have three kids, all that. And, and like your story about being a spiritual director, uh, I was like, okay, well, tell me about it. Mm. <laughs> you know, like some people might be like, why didn't you tell her it was wrong? Right. Well, I, I didn't say anything. And, and I just said, hey, look, I, I'm glad, we're glad that you're here. We're all in process and, and we're, we're committed to you. Mm. You know, and, and can I pray for you? And then she reached out later on in the week, mm. a few days later. And she said, hey, I'd really love to know what you think about this. Hmm. Um, and so the next uh, couple, couple weeks later, um, I said, hey, just stay after service. Let's talk some more. So I just said, hey, well, t- tell me about your story. Hmm. And there was uh, a history <coughs> of abuse from religious authority figures in her life. And, and I'm not saying that every LGBTQ person is acting out of abuse, but in that very short period of time, we got to some, some one of maybe several core issues. And, and she, you know, and I, I hope this is what happened and this is why this happened, but she was fronted with love and surprised by grace. And, and, um, um, she more than anything else, I think want to see, how I would respond. Yeah. Um, and what enabled us to get to this issue um, wasn't saying, well, I love you, but but God hates your sin. Yeah. Um, 
And, and and we just and the conversation just was like, hey, l- let's deal with whatever it is that's prompting you to share this with mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. like I don't even know why she she shared that, and if if love, if God's love is what transforms us, the, the thing that it does is it calls us out of hiding. Yeah. Uh, there there are no preconditions. You're loved already. That is what brings people out of hiding yeah. not hey let me tell you how wrong you are yeah. that that does a reverse yeah. and so um uh I, so i think and this is the this is the the last uh, of the four things about the this statement that i think makes this cliche very simplistic and reductionistic it is love the sinner hate the sin i think misunderstands the the true nature of love. Yeah. I'm so glad you said that. Um, now, love in our culture is a word that almost means nothing. You could talk about loving ice cream, loving football, loving my wife, loving Jesus. <laughs> right. Right? right. I mean, uh, you could relate to something that's so pedantic and ordinary to yeah. sophomore to some. I mean, everything exalted and beautiful. And, and this is the other thing, too. The other reality for most love means um, not only do I accept you, but I approve mm. of everything in your life. Mm-hmm. Um, and others would say, no, love means that I have to tell you the truth. Yeah. And again, this is where I think Jesus would challenge both sides. Yep. Um, but um, there, and this is the part I really want to get to. There is a book by, uh, uh, a, he's a seminary professor, um, an author, Scott McKnight, that's with one T, Scott McKnight. He wrote a book called uh, A Fellowship of Difference. Mm. Um, uh, E-N-T-S, not C-E. Difference. Okay. It's a weird title. Yeah. <laughs> but he lays out something that, man, uh, going back to this question uh, that this person asked, that was so helpful for me. So I just want to walk through that a little bit. And then we could discuss it. But yeah, bring he, it. he basically says, um, the, the way we respond to questions like this, it, especially if we ask, like, how does God love us? <clears throat> he says, first and foremost, he says, uh, the love that God shows us, it, it, there's, it, there is a rugged commitment to the person. First and foremost. So in biblical language, that, that's like God's covenant. And that means he makes us promise because that is the nature of who he is. Yeah. It's not, uh, I promise this if. Right. It's, I promise that. Yeah. So it's binding. Like it's not a contract. And so first and foremost, love is a, a rug, rugged, rugged commitment to somebody. Mm-hmm. That's the first level. Uh, he also talks about uh, love being a rugged commitment to be with yeah. somebody. So you walk with them through thick and thin. You're present with them, and you can't you 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 cannot love somebody without being committed to them, and and being with them. Right, right. He goes on to say, uh, love is a rugged commitment for the other person. Like they know you advocate for them, you are behind them, yeah. you support them. You'll defend them. Yep. You know. Yeah. Absolutely. And then this this was the kicker for me. Like, and, and then he goes on to say the last part is this love. Love is this rugged commitment towards towards something. 
Like there's a goal. And so mm. God's love for us is purposeful. And the goal is Christ-likeness. Yeah. Um, and, and let's kind of bring this down to like a parent-kid relationship. Like I, I love my kids and, and you love your kids and we are committed to them no matter what. Mm-hmm. And we will say to them, you could go to jail, you could steal a car, nothing you do can, will change my love for you. And so you, we are committed to them. We're committed to be like good and bad. We're, we're committed to be with them. Mm-hmm. I mean, h- how many times has one of your kids, you know, like a- after like uh, experience of the consequences of something they did, like, I mean, I, <laughs> I, I, uh, 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 well, oftentimes that's because I, I get upset at Micah and, and, and I'm, I am not without fault in this story. <laughs> okay. <laughs> but he'll go up to his room because he did something wrong. Mm. And, I, and then I did something wrong by being getting really upset at him and angry. He goes up and, and he's just really upset and crying. And um, he knows that I am not only committed to him, but I'm going to go be with him. Yeah, I, I'll go up to his room. We'll just sit there. Um, and he knows I'm for him. And uh, in the so in the midst of that, uh, th- this is where uh, the love towards somebody is really important because you know what wh- what is the the goal or the telos of my love towards him? It, well, it's maturity, yeah, more Christ likeness, right, and him becoming the adult that he needs to be, and yep. God has called him to be, yeah. And so this is. <laughs> That was a little circuitous, but this is this come back to the issue. He says the only time love towards uh, love towards something that last one feels like love is when the other three loves are felt first. So the reason I could say to my kids, "Well, I don't think this is right," or "I don't think this is wise," is because they feel the first three. Yeah. They know I'm committed to them. I, they know that I'm going to be with them. They know that I'm going to be for them. But when it comes to this issue of LGBTQ, we reverse that. Yep, absolutely. I'm going to love you towards right. heterosexuality first and foremost. Yep. So in that context, love feels like coercion, yeah. manipulation. It feels like love with an agenda, which means it's not love. Yep. That, so this framework was really helpful to, at least for me to articulate, oh, and, and you said this too, we talked about this, like just lobbying, lobbying this statement is never received as love. Mm-hmm. And so, um, yeah, there's my mini sermon. <laughs> Man, it's a good one. I, I didn't, that's why I sort of just let it roll because that's good stuff. It's if, really challenging. If you just, tell, if you just go to, I'm going to go towards something, and tell them the truth, it doesn't feel like love. Yeah. And so, on one hand, love, uh, I'll say love, and you could send me hate, hate mail, that's okay, um, or text or whatever. Love doesn't mean that I unflinching, uh, uh, like, um, un, uh, that I just, what am I trying to say? You don't sort of like whitewash issues or? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It doesn't mean I approve everything you I do. I see, yep. That is not love. Like, love has opinions, and love, love is truthful. Like my wife, she demonstrates that she loves me no matter what, and so, therefore, she has 
I, so I can receive her correction. Mm-hmm. The first three are, are there and yeah. demonstrated uh, so regularly. So, um, but also, and that's where this tension of the truth part comes in. Now, I will say there are some, and maybe we could think of some together, some exceptions. I, I think if someone is in, in immediate danger to themselves mm-hmm. or, or others, others, it doesn't matter if they feel like you love them. Yeah. There has to be immediate action taken. Yeah. So that, that's an exception. I would also say if you are in a community of people, a small community of people who like a, um, a, a strong uh, support and accountability and you, you, there is mutual uh, invitation. Yeah, permission. Permission mm-hmm. to hold each other accountable. And, and I would even say if, there, if, it's, if there's some, something where this, uh, some egregious outworking of sin is going to do damage to a large extent to, to a community, yeah, like that person may not feel like it's love at that moment. So again, there are again we're nuancing this a bit. Yeah, and this for me, this is where a lot of it, where I, I think it's important to reiterate that there isn't there isn't a cut and dry answer to this. And I think you put your finger on it when you in last week's episode where you said homosexuality is not an issue; it's yeah. people. Yeah, and so there has to be nuance because there because it's a person. Every person comes with their own story. Every person comes with their own hurts and strengths and opportunities. And if you're not looking at all of that, if you're just looking at sort of this sliver of an issue, mm-hmm. then there doesn't have to be nuance, yeah. right? You can just, blah, blah, blah. There's just, you know, you just, you have a position and you can yeah. just put it out there. But if you are really seeing the other person, you, you have to take all of these other things into consideration. And that's where it gets complicated yeah. in a good way. So I, I don't know what happened to the rest of this person. like or, or And hopefully these episodes are helpful. But, but if, if I imagine if this person said, you know, my brother just came out. Mm-hmm. Now, if, if he knows that you're a Christian, like he, I'm pretty sure he assumes you don't approve. Mm. So what would it look like for you to come alongside him and say, look, I love you no matter what without qualifiers. And, and you're my brother. Yeah. Like nothing changes. And then over time you demonstrate that with your actions. I would say that kind of sustained unrelenting unqualified love is what opens people up to the possibility of transformation. And, and again, and I want to reiterate this because you said it last week and it was so good. Like being in that place, uh, you're not, you're not trying to, ch- it's not our job to change that person. <laughs> yeah. You know, it, it, it is not. And so, um, I think it's so important. This is what I would say is that if you are really doing those first three steps, mm-hmm. the, the fourth step doesn't need a lot of thought. It doesn't. It, ju- it, it either, either things are less important or it happens sort of naturally. Um, that's been my experience mm-hmm. at least. Yeah. And, and to piggyback off your, what you just said about like, it's not my job to change anybody. And I said this last episode, like I've, I, it, I can't even change myself. <laughs> know, right. Right. Like you, you try to do it out of sheer will. Yeah. Like, you know what? Maybe for a day or a week, Yeah. but it doesn't change you. Yeah. 
Um, I mean, shoot, not even just spiritually or, or maturity wise, but like, like how hard is it for you, for me to lose like 10 pounds? Right. I mean, for sure. And that is totally under my control. Or you want to get up earlier or yeah. you want to like read your Bible every day. Like you give me, there's a laundry list of things that you and I and everyone listening can look at and be like, oh yeah, I can't even make myself do that. Yeah. Like why would we expect that we, we would have any, that it's our job to sway other people in these, in a larger sort of core issue yeah. at all. It just doesn't make sense. And I just imagine the type of people who live life just walking around, maybe they don't do this physically, but like metaphorically, just with their hands clenched, mm-hmm. like just anguishing over people's um, sins. Mm-hmm. Uh, that just has to be, I don't know, like such a miserable Christian life. Yeah. Um, versus... Knowing, like, hey, God is sovereign. Yeah, he's the judge, but he's going to come to do the accounting, not me. My call is just to represent Jesus well, to love people, love them into the kingdom. And, um, like, that just feels so much different, so much lighter, so much more free Mm -hmm. than just trying to keep track of who's on what side. I, I love that in many ways we've continued to emphasize the transforming power of God because every significant change that has happened in my life <laughs> has has been when I've reached the point where I'm like I like I can't and I I can't change this about myself as much as I've tried and and as much as I've worked and I, you and I are both men of incredibly sort of strong will and stubborn yeah, well yeah <laughs> and but even in that. I have so regularly come to my own in- inability to change the things that I desperately want to change. Um, I just love how you're reemphasizing where change actually comes from. And yeah. it's not from us telling people the right answer. Hmm. I feel a little bad. I feel a little bad for the person that wrote in this question. <laughs> uh, do I? I do. I'm, I think I think that they... I can't... I, I, <laughs> I feel bad for them. I feel like we've been hard on it. Do you feel that way? Probably not. You probably just like, no, man, we're just putting it out there. <laughs> no, I, I, I well, I, I don't. And I was thinking, no, I, but I was thinking, no, 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 I, I, I hear you. Mm-hmm. I, I do, right? Um, and I would say, um, yeah, I, I think what I'm trying to do, because if it was asked from the other side, you know, like, again, w- my hope is that we're trying to represent Jesus well in this conversation, because I think it's not, well, are you saying that this side is right and this side is wrong? Like, right. again, that, I, that, that's not it. Like, Jesus would challenge both sides. Yep. He would say, you're asking the wrong question. Yeah. The question is, how uh, how do I love this person well? Mm-hmm. And because, again, it was funny how even in the question that was sort of, like, let's just assume that I'm loving this person. And I'm like, actually, <laughs> we, you, we that's the one thing that we can't assume. <laughs> right. We can't assume that we're loving people well because my observation of myself and the people I know besides my wife is that we're inherently selfish and, um, and think primarily of ourselves and are in most opportunities for our own gain or protection or whatever. Mm -hmm. And so saying like, well, let's stop with the first half of that. Assume I'm, assume I'm being loving and not judgmental. I'm like, nah, man, Let's check that because the standard that Jesus lays out for us in that in that very spot 
it requires a lifetime of work. Mm-hmm. It really does. It does. Yeah. <sighs> Did we? Is there a third episode of this, or have we? No, have we, I, I, I think that's man. Oh. Well, I'll say this. I think I would not be surprised if these past two episodes generate additional questions, I, which yeah. I, I'll be honest, I'm happy to talk about it. It's a little weird to put stuff out there as much as you and I do, yeah. um, but I'm absolutely willing. So if this if this generated additional questions or, um, or thoughts, concerns, send them to Sung. Yeah, 734-709-5742. You, you know, the thing I love, I've loved about... Uh, all these questions is, um, is uh, just the authenticity. Yeah. Uh, even going back to the homeless uh, yeah. discussion, like and just feeling so bad, and I'm gonna go to he- like there just, there's just a a level of authenticity and trend. I I just I've I've loved it. Yeah, it's great. I'm really enjoying this uh, season of Rhythms of Grace. We got more questions coming, so hope you will join us next week as we tackle yet another issue. God bless, and we hope to see you then.